following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. (laughs) Here's the church, here's the steeple. I think the rapture took place. No, I know what it is, folks. It's July the 4th. And we, uh, we thought about not having church tonight for about that long because it was on a church night. But we want to be like 7-Eleven. We want to always be open. Because you never know, you never know when somebody might be walking by and say, well, I wish they had church tonight. And if they had church tonight, I might be able to find the Lord, feel the Lord, get some victory over things that I've been struggling with in my life. And we just believe in opening the church doors. Now, this is not normal for our Wednesday nights. We're normally packed to the brim. And, and if you want to come next Wednesday night, we'll have that. We're also not doing communion tonight because we knew it was going to be a first Wednesday holiday day. And so we're doing communion next Wednesday night, the 11th. And Pastor will be speaking in that service also. So what a joy to have all of you tonight. Amen. It's an honor to have you. Turn to somebody beside you and say, thanks for coming to church tonight on this Wednesday night. And then say, I hope the pastor is not long-winded. You know better than that. I never am. But I'm going to be real short tonight because I want you to be able to go home and watch some fireworks displayed. And uh, this, is, this is a great day for our country. Amen. July the 4th, 1776, we became a nation. And it was one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for everybody. I give honor to my wife tonight. I give honor to my children. I give honor to the staff. I give honor to this beautiful church and all the people that make this church so functional and so beautiful. And uh, we put up the the, uh, visitation booth tonight out there. It had just quit raining. We put it up. And... We had three or four people come in. This is their first time at church, at Christian Life Church on this Wednesday night. Years ago, we used to do a drama at Easter. We called it The Choice, and it was tremendous. We have had some wonderful music in this church for a while, and I thank God for that. Didn't the praise group do wonderful tonight on this? They were ready. And so one Wednesday night, we had a rehearsal in Keith. Keith, remember this just like it was yesterday. We were outside. I decided we need to be on the porch and welcome people that thought we might be having church. And people are driving by all the time and wondering if we're going to have church. And so we were on the porch, and a young man walks up, and we met a man that has been a member of this church ever since. He and his family, he and his wife have gotten married since he came up on that porch. They now have three children (laughs) because we were standing there with the doors open. So I believe that when it's church time, we need to have church. And if you can't be here, we understand. Well, you'll be back the next time. But we believe that church ought to be available. Clap your hands if you agree with that. I believe that. I believe that. I'm just going to kind of talk a little bit here tonight. This is not a message. Sunday we're back doing Running with the Giants. You enjoying that series, Running with the Giants? And we're doing another great lady, a great lady. Brad did so wonderful on Mary on Sunday. And this Sunday we're doing, I'm going to not announce it. I will be ministering in that service, but we're going to do a great, great lady of the Bible on Sunday. 
And the whole month of July is Ladies Month. We're going to be talking about great ladies, <laughs> great ladies of faith that help us in our journey. Today we celebrate Independence Day. Clap your hands and cheer for that. So I thought you might enjoy these thoughts from an unknown author. Only in America can a Jimmy John's order get to your house faster than an ambulance. <laughs> Only in America do people order double cheeseburgers, biggie fries, and a Diet Coke. Only in America do banks leave both doors open and chain the pins to the counters. Only in America do we use answering machines to screen calls and then have call waiting so we won't miss a call from someone we didn't want to talk to in the first place. <laughs> Only in America do we buy hot dogs in packages of 10 and buns in packages of 8. <laughs> Only in America do we use the word politics to describe the process so well. Poly in Latin meaning many and ticks meaning blood-sucking creatures. Maybe a little harsh on politicians. Nah, we're not really. The Hymnal Revision Committee of the United Methodist Church had a problem approaching the 1988 General Convention. New hymnal was being introduced, the Battle Hymn of the Republic, and they were struggling over the phrase, as he died to make men holy, let us die to make men free. They questioned, is freedom for others worth dying for? Fred Waring and his Pennsylvanians came up with a different version, softer lyrics of, as he died to make men holy, let us live to make men free. And the conference chose Mr. Waring's version. The songbook published the original version, we must die to make men free. In his book, Talking Straight, Lee Iacocca shared some interesting stories about raising funds for the 100th birthday celebration in 1986 of the Statue of Liberty. For example, there was a man from Poland who sent $2 for this beautiful symbol. He never expected to see the statue himself, but at least he could dream about it. And there was money ordered from the refugee camp in Thailand. 78 homeless Vietnamese had passed the hat and come up with $114.19 as their humble share of rehabilitation for her 100th birthday. And Lee Iacocca said, that floored me, that one did. These were people who had lost everything, everything but hope. And the lady, the lady in the harbor was the symbol of that hope. They simply were pleading with us to keep the torch lit. The Statue of Liberty, Liberty Island. How many of you have ever seen it? Would you raise your hand all over the building? I've been there several times. What a beautiful lady she is. She's a universal symbol of political freedom. Yet, there's another symbol of freedom, however, far more important than the Statue of Liberty. I speak of the cross of Jesus Christ tonight. Please understand that political freedom is important. Many of us watched with reverent admiration as that lone student stared down a tank in Tiananmen Square years ago. I remember the thrill of watching the Berlin Wall come down and the capture and subsequent deaths of two tyrant dictators that had held so many in bondage and killed so many innocent people in their life. The world has witnessed great stories of liberty. And the Statue of Liberty has never stood taller. And our flag still waves proud. Please remember this, that a broken chain lies at the feet of Lady Liberty because we believe in freedom in this country. And as long as that statue and that flag stand for freedom and justice for all, then history is on our side. Freedom is a God idea. Emma Lazarus wrote, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. 
Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. It has never been God's will for any of his children to be enslaved. Can you say amen? amen? When God created us in his own image, he created us for freedom. And when this country is on the side of freedom and justice and fair treatment of all people, we can be sure we're on God's side and blessed of him. However, in many places we have sometimes been aligned with the forces of oppression. And when that happens, we betray all that the Statue of Liberty and the American flag stand for. After John Wilkes Booth shot President Lincoln in Ford Theater, he leaped to the stage from the president's box. Ironically, he caught his spur in the middle of his jump and broke his leg. And most of all, people know what he tripped on. He tripped on the American flag. He tripped on old glory. Whenever we are embarrassed as a nation, it's generally because we have tripped on our own flag. Political freedom is still important. Many wonderful young lives have been lost in the cause of political freedom. And I salute them all today. Thanks, you men and women. Thanks for all those on the wall in Washington who have given so much for this cause, this cause of freedom. Can you clap your hands for everyone that has lost their life and given their life for the cause of freedom? We honor them tonight. However, political freedom is not the most important kind of freedom. There have been so many who have been in prison for long periods of time who have been freer in their minds and hearts and spirits than many who walk around enjoying the benefits of political freedom every day. Regardless of your political inclinations, you have to wonder if Nelson Mandela was ever really a prisoner of the South African government. How does a man maintain such dignity, such grace, such ability to articulate the concerns of his people after being confined for such a long period of time, for 27 long years? His body may have been imprisoned, but not his mind, not his heart, and not his soul. And the Apostle Paul knew what it was to be in prison. Some of his finest letters were written while he was behind bars. Paul knew a greater freedom than just political freedom. The freedom that really matters is freedom within. And I'm so glad that Jesus has put a freedom on the inside of us that whatever happens on the outside of us cannot bind what is inside of us. That freedom that comes from knowing that regardless of the circumstance, Whether in prison or out, we are under the watchful eye of the one who knows us and loves us. The freedom of knowing that our sins, regardless of how deep they're staying upon our soul, have been washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. And the freedom that allows us to stretch our wings and be all that we can be in our life. It is sad to see someone who is enslaved, especially by his or her own weakness, I read about a man named Raynard III, a 14th century duke in what was now and what is now known as Belgium. Raynald was grossly overweight, and he was captured in a revolt by his younger brother, and he was imprisoned in a room that was built around him. And the room had no bars on the windows, not even a locked door through through, uh, not even a locked door through the door, was sli- though the s- door was slightly smaller than normal. Still, because of his size, He could not squeeze through that door to freedom. You know why? He was too large. But there was hope. All he had to do to be a free man was just go on a diet. That's all he had to do. 
Sounds funny, but it's a tragic story. His brother even offered to restore his title and wealth as soon as he was able to leave the room. But his brother knew Raynal's weakness. And every day he had sent to Raynal's room a variety of delicious and fattening foods. So instead of growing thinner, Raynal grew fatter. He was a prisoner not of locks and bars or iron gates, but he was a prisoner of his own appetite. And that's the parable of a dilemma faced by many people every day. There are forces within the human personality that can attain an almost demonic grip on our behavior. We must admire the person who wins a permanent victory over alcohol, a permanent victory over cocaine, a permanent victory over heroin, or even overeating in their life. It's not easy. Then there are other serious weaknesses in the flesh. Psychologists now speak about sexual addiction and people who are forced to deal with enormous drive to abuse the blessed gift of sexuality. Inability or failure to keep this drive under control keeps breaking hearts and families and lives. And there are other forms of enslavement also with the advent of lotteries. An addiction to gambling has become institutionalized. Oh, I'm preaching right now. ESPN carries all kinds of gambling tournaments live. No matter how attractive such means of raising funds for the state may be, it's sad to see governments profit from human weaknesses. Can I get an amen? amen. It's always the person who can least afford it who will buy the disproportionate number of lottery tickets for they represent hope. So it's sad to see people who are slave by, by their own weaknesses. Sadder still, however, is the enslavement of sin. Some ask, isn't that the same thing? No, it's not. Our personal weaknesses and frailties are but symptoms of a far greater problem. And that problem is our estrangement from God. We were created, folks, to live in fellowship and harmony with God, with ourselves and with others. We're created to walk in confidence and strength and love and assurance. But because fellowship and harmony has been, have been broken, we walk in fearfulness and weakness and resentment and uncertainty. Because of that broken relationship with God, anxiety haunts us. We drown our sorrows, disguise our ambitions, discard the divine image within. We become slaves to doubt and distrust and despair. And I want to tell you, there's only one person that can help us. Only one person that can help us. And I'd like to tell you his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Over two centuries ago, a wealthy landowner named Sir Roger Bolter visited a traveling fair at Colchester. He was in Colchester, and as he went around the stalls and sideshows, he suddenly heard a market square clock begin to chime. And like a child, he counted, but he could not believe his ears. The clock chimed 13 times. And he thought he had miscounted until a small, frail little fellow standing beside him turned and verified the happening by saying, you know what, that clock just struck 13. And that night, Sir Roger, who recorded everything in his diary, recorded that incident. And two months later, Sir Roger woke up and sensed a compelling inward voice that said, you need to go to York today. And he was not a man given to such voices. But the next day, he saddled his horse and set off to York. And when he arrived, he discovered a large crowd gathered outside of the courthouse. And on hearing it was the last day of a murder trial, he entered the courthouse and sat in the public gallery from where he heard the guilty verdict pronounced. And when the accused man was asked if he had anything to say, he replied, I am innocent, Your Honor. 
I was more than 100 miles from the crime on the day it took place here in York. I was in Colchester. Another man and I heard a clock there strike, 13. If only I could find that man, he could vouch for my innocence. Immediately, Sir Roger stood up in the balcony and declared, Now I know why I came to York today. He explained who he was and showed the judge his diary, which he always carried with him. And the accused was declared innocent on the basis of Sir Roger's testimony. And as the man and Sir Roger walked out of the court, the freedman said to the benefactor, You're the only man in all the world who could have saved me today. Here's the word for you today. Torment and turmoil come because of our estrangement for God, from God. And there's only one man who can help us. And he's in this house right now. He's Jesus of Nazareth. And he's king of the world. Hallelujah. Clap your hands and rejoice. That's the one that can help us. That's the one that can save us. He's the only one who can make us truly free. Richard DeHaan tells a story about a certain Mr. Klein. You came on a good night. It was storytelling night tonight. No one really seemed to care for old Mr. Klein. He was the town Scrooge. Even little children had made up rhymes about him, which ridiculed his selfish eccentricity. And one Sunday night, he was walking down the street past the local church. And it was a warm summer night, and the windows of the church were open, and the singing could be heard up and down the lane. And old Mr. Klein was very discouraged, defeated, and convinced that life simply wasn't worth living. He had no family and certainly no friends, and he was at the end of hope. And as the congregation sang, he caught the strains of the hymn, Saved by grace alone, this is my plea. Jesus died for all mankind, and Jesus died for me. His hearing was not very good, and when the congregation came to the words, Jesus died for all mankind, he thought they were singing, Jesus died for old man Klein. He exclaimed, well, that's me. Stopping in his tracks, he turned and entered the small auditorium and heard the simple message of the gospel, and he believed. And it was then he became convinced that Jesus died for him. True freedom only comes by faith in Jesus Christ. We don't need new resolutions. We need a new heart, a heart at one with God that is freedom. I just came from Hannibal, Missouri last week. And I've been reading a lot of Twain because he lived there for some time and, and later lived in Connecticut. But Mark Twain told of a night that the Mississippi River that runs by Hannibal, Missouri, cut through a narrow neck of land and changed courses of the land. It was before the Civil War. A black man went to sleep as a slave in Missouri that night. And he awoke to discover that because of the river's change, the land was now in Illinois. And he was a free man. The river had separated Missouri from Illinois. Such a change took place at Calvary 2,000 years ago. Jesus Christ died there. And with him died the sins of the world. And you and I are free tonight. The brokenness between ourselves and God is no more. 
We are slaves only because we have not acknowledged and accepted that fact. Political freedom is grand. But even grander still would be freedom from our own destructive desires. Neither of these, though, can compare to the freedom which was granted to us 2,000 years ago at a place called Calvary. And as Forrest Gump said, that's all I got to say about that. I wanted to bring this to you tonight, not as a message, but as just a, a written word. And I want to tell all of you, it's a great thing to live in America. I want to tell you something else. It's a great thing to be free from condemnation. For is therefore now no condemnation to them that walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. But the grander thing still is that we have been born of the blood of Jesus Christ. And the old song says, What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Some of you went to sleep several nights ago in a, in a slave land. You woke up in a free land. And it's all because of Christian Life Church and the God that we worship here at this church. I honor the Lord here tonight. Would somebody like to raise your hands with me and say, I honor you, Lord. Come on, I honor you, Lord. I honor you. I honor you tonight. I honor you tonight. I really do. I honor you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. So we're going to close this service tonight going to let you out early because we want you to be able to get home and, and watch the fireworks and have time with your family before you have to go to work tomorrow and have to go to bed before it gets real late. I love all of you. I can't wait till Sunday. We're going to have some good church here on Sunday. And I can't wait till Sunday night. We're going to have some good church here on Sunday night. We've been teaching on the baptism of the Spirit. Sunday night we're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit, all nine of them, plus perhaps five, and plus perhaps some more in Romans. We're going to talk about some gifts that can happen in our lives. You know what's happening? People are receiving the Spirit all over this place. This is a great time. Would you stand to your feet? They're going to sing a verse of this, a chorus of this, and we're going to all sing together. And I'm going to come and dismiss us.